the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one jerry agar in for john moore today and tomorrow he will be back on wednesday and joining me on the panel sabrina nanji with queen's park observer journalist co-founder of the line and online magazine matt gurney and robert turner of Newstock 1010 is here as well matt i'm going to start with you is the mayoral race all 59 candidates going to get mean is it going to be a punch out drag down kind of thing yeah probably and it's going to be because it's shaping up the way i kind of expected it would before it even started i said what's going to happen is that you're going to have three or four people who are all running on nearly identical platforms but insisting that they are the only one who can save us right and we're seeing a little bit of this on the right but i think more uh more so we're seeing it on the left which is what i expected they're going to have to differentiate themselves somehow now it's very possible i guess in theory that there could be some horse trading some deal making and some people could decide to step out throw their support behind someone else kind of clarify things a little bit but i think we're going to have to go through at least a month of stupidity first that seems to be the trend of late so yeah i expect things to get meaner here i expect more attacks on records i expect more attacks probably on personality and i don't expect it to matter much because looking at the polls here where what chow is in the lead with what like one quarter of the vote three quarters against her that kind of feels about right to me just in terms of how the public actually feels about any of these guys yeah well sabrina nanji uh, covering politics as you do can i make the assumption you've done your due diligence on all 59 candidates well, there's a lot of them out there, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know how closely voters are actually paying attention to this. It's still early days uh, yet. You know, we've, we've still got almost two months now to go. Um, but I think a lot of this, as Matt said, is, is a bit calculated, too. I mean, going on the offensive, going in attack mode, um, you know, there's there's a, a reason behind it, and it's strategic. I mean, we have seen Olivia Chow come after Josh Matlow, and we know that they would probably, um, you know, maybe some of their voters, people who would cast their ballots for them are, are the same people. And so I think that this might be a, a tactic to kind of narrow the field, um, you know, maybe make it easier for voters to, to decide uh, and kind of differentiate some of the policy platforms, as, as Matt was saying here. I think, you know, it's also strategic for someone like Mark Saunders to go after someone like Olivia Chow, because that kind of sets this narrative that it's Saunders versus Chow, which is what we have kind of been seeing in, in, in most polls right now. But like I said, that could be due to, you know, something as simple as name recognition. But the closer we get to June 26, I think we're going to see the knives come out and get a lot sharper uh, as people start paying closer attention. Well, Robert, I think they're both right about that. But also when we say there are 59 candidates, there are 59 people signed up. There really aren't 59 people running for mayor, by, by which I mean, they, they aren't out there with an active program. They're not, they're not putting out press releases they don't they some of them don't even have websites well i haven't heard from some of them right and i'm in a position where i hear from all the main candidates and i didn't give them my email they found us and they email us saying hey we've got this going on we want to get on the air you get the same thing uh, constantly and there's about 10 of those uh which is a lot and yep. you're dealing with people who have held elected office at different levels um is this going to get nastier? I hope so, because uh, it'll be a good way to define people. And let's face it, we need the entertainment in the spring, because uh, the, the Leafs aren't going to be playing every day. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think the fights are going to be interesting because, yeah, there might be some horse trading and, oh, well, I'll get out of the race to support you. But I don't see Josh Matlow doing that for Olivia Chow, because Josh Matlow has nothing to gain by doing that. If Josh Matlow loses, he goes back to being Councillor Josh Matlow. 
This yep. is the one mayor's race he didn't have to not be a, run as a councillor to have a shot at being mayor. So I don't see him walking away from it. And Olivia Chow w- is in the lead based on doing nothing. Uh, currently, it's all based on what she's done in the past and her name recognition. And she seems to be running a weird kind of front-runner campaign where there's not a lot of policies being announced. And yeah, it's early, but she's just being Olivia Chow. And I think she's going to do that until it starts not to work for her. And then they'll have to do something. But when when do you really start to turn it on? When are people really going to start paying attention? When do the ads start? Because that's going to be part of it. Who can fundraise? All right. Now, um, four and a half year partial closure of Queen Street goes into effect today. Allegedly. Four so, well, yes. Uh, well, let me get to that then. I'll, I wasn't going to do this right away. But since you said allegedly four and a half, um, do you, uh, what number do you want in the office pool? How long is it going to take? I don't know. What's the over under? It's, it's insane. Seven. This, this or, the over Metrolinx under. is in charge of building this, right? Like yeah. they're in charge of building everything else. So they have yeah. no credibility when it comes to deadlines or getting anything built or done, anything done right. Uh, and at some point, I would imagine this is going to have a negative impact on Doug Ford, which he's not going to like because he likes to be liked. And maybe he'll do something. I don't know what that looks like. But I, you know, people put up with this stuff because you can say to them, look, yes, it's going to be this many years of not great. But then when we're done, we're going to have this. That's what they told everyone along Eglinton. And right now, everyone along Eglinton has the mess and no idea when they're going to get the transit. Well, yeah, and I don't think it's wonderful all along the uh, St. Clair Street uh, right of way either. But you didn't give me a number. What's your number? Ah, uh, if they're saying five, I would. I mean, based on experience, I guess seven, eight. Okay, Matt. I'm going to double it, so it's four and a half. I'm going to go with nine. All right, Sabrina. What number do you want in the pool? I'll say however long the Eglinton Crosstown takes. <laughs> we'll just use that same number. I'm really not holding my breath here. Okay, so just so you know, the Eglinton Crosstown project started in 2011. Yeah, I have to say, you know, I have a, a personal stake in this. I live in the beaches. Uh, it straight up sucks for me. I, 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 you know, I'm not really holding my breath. It's going to be four and a half years. We we tend to know how these transit projects go in this city. But I'm going to suck it up because I think it's worth it. I think the Ontario line is ambitious. Uh, and if Doug Ford can pull it off, great. Uh, it's a, maybe a big if at this point. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to just, you know, bite the bullet on, on this one. Tentative deal has been reached to end the federal government work strike, or at least a huge chunk of it, about 120,000 of the 150,000. The CRA people apparently don't have their deal locked down today, but get your taxes in the mail anyway or online. Get them done today regardless. Uh, but uh, Matt, earlier I was talking to Thomas Mulcair, and then, uh, I think it was Thomas Mulcair who said on the air earlier today, I don't think the p- uh, public really engaged with this either way. No, uh, there are certainly some people who did. Uh, I interviewed some uh, representatives of the agricultural sector uh, last week week and they need import export permits on a pretty much real-time basis right because they're dealing with perishable goods so they were freaked out now managers were being able to basically keep up barely with the demand of that but they were very nervous like one manager gets a little tickle in the throat and the entire agricultural sector collapses if you were waiting for a passport if you were waiting for our family reunification through citizenship and immigration paperwork you would have felt this i didn't though like i need the federal government to maybe three times a year and sorry guys it wasn't my couple of weeks not only that i never noticed a picket line anywhere if i hadn't read about it in the news if i hadn't talked about it as a journalist i would not have known the strike was happening how do you feel robert similar 
Yeah, I mean, it was, for me, it was a stealth strike. Like, yeah, it was happening, no impact on my life. Um, seems like they've got a deal. I find it hilarious that the CRA wants more money, don't they always? Um, so we'll see how this plays out and, and if they're able to get everybody back. And I want to see the language on remote work, because apparently that's in the deal. Yeah. Uh, the union's saying, yeah, we got what we asked for. And the government had kind of said that was a red line they weren't going to cross. So the language will be interesting there. It sounds like it's going to be a... They have to give you a reason why you can't work from home, um, which would be a pretty big climb down for the government. Canadians don't trust social media companies to self-regulate, and they want the government to step in. It's something like two-thirds of Canadians, according to this research, um, just think that it's a Wild West situation and it needs some sort of uh, adult supervision. How do you feel about this, Sabrina? Well, I think I'm on the same page um, with with most Canadians. I think, you know, we should also note that, you know, maybe trust in our government is maybe not at an all time high right now, just generally speaking. But I, I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, I think something needs to be done and there needs to be a fine balance, you know, with uh, when it comes to online content moderation between freedom of speech and, you know, not doing harm. Uh, and so I think, you know, this this study is just kind of highlighting what we already know. What I don't know is is where we go from here and what the answer is. Well, I'm okay, Robert, with going after people who are doing illegal things like child exploration. I talked to one of the professors who've done this research, but we have laws against that anyway. Um, I'm uncomfortable with the government trying to decide what is information and misinformation. I mean, during COVID, we saw instances where, you know, occasionally the uh, what was characterized as a conspiracy theory turned out to be true. Yeah, um, but the issue is we don't treat social media platforms the same way we would a broadcast or a publisher where they have to own what is put out by their medium uh, so uh, or on their channel. Uh, it's sort of, well, that was user-generated, so we have no hand in it. Well, that, no, that doesn't work. And I, again, I'm like, Sabrina, I don't know what the answer is. The problem is when government doesn't know what the answer is, they pretend that this new technological thing is a force of nature they have nothing they can do with, and they just ignore it and don't do anything for the existing regulatory framework that they did put in place for similar things. Like we saw it with taxi and Uber. We see it with, you know, we're traditional media. We're regulated in very specific ways. They don't seem to have a problem with that. Uh, The idea that you cannot regulate or shouldn't regulate it um, doesn't make sense to me. All right, Matt, the government is already giving itself more power with uh, Bill C-11. And now they're, you know, if they feel that they have uh, the thumbs up from the Canadian public, I mean, maybe I'm being a little too conspiratorial here myself, but uh, government regulation over speech is not something I'm anxious to see. Yeah, and the best part of it is, I mean, even if we are being conspiratorial, I've always said that, particularly in the Canadian context, the conspiracy theorists usually have it wrong. Like, conspiracy theories normally assume malign intent but hyper competency and it's always the reverse it's like good intentions and incompetency remember a couple of weeks ago when we found out that there had been a uh, I think it was an Edmonton Sun column by Lauren Gunter that the government had wanted taken off of social media no one in the government actually at the ministerial level wanted to talk about that 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 looked like it was someone mid-level in the office who decided to go and ask that links to that column be deleted there the government has now given itself expanded powers under C-11 that it is not yet fully defined. Like now there's going to be a consultation process to try and figure out what the new law that is already the law actually means. It's not going to be some minister after careful thought acting in the public interest that ends up deciding with the full scope of this thing. 
It's going to be some mid-level staffer who sends a stupid email, which then gets uh, accessed under access to information. And the next thing you know, the government is being asked why it tried to censor some unpopular guy's speech. All right. Uh, we don't have time to get hardcore into a topic. So is everybody on the Robert Aaron, you on the Maple Leafs bandwagon today, so long as they're not playing while wrestling's on? I always thought they were going to get it done, and you can have two screens going at the same time, Jerry. We're already making okay. plans for uh, Saturday night. All right. Well, yeah, I have done that. Yeah. I've had the two screens going when there's Sabrina. Are you are you sitting there in a jersey at the moment? Uh, not at the moment, but I will absolutely be wearing my lucky socks and uh, have beer and nachos, the traditional uh, you know, meal on <laughs> the next game for sure. I had uh, gone to sleep early because of the hours of this. And I, for some reason, I woke up at 930 and I looked at my phone and I saw the Boston Bruins are tied. So I got up and I put on my Boston Bruins hoodie and I watched and it, it didn't help. Man, uh, wow. so but, hey, we all have our little uh, routines. I'm glad we're doing this panel today because yesterday I had no voice because of all my screaming at my TV on Saturday. We can't book you Wednesday, then, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, you can try. I just <laughs> want it much to say. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good luck to them tomorrow, and thanks to Sabrina Nanji, Matt Gurney, and Robert Turner. Catch the roundtable round one at 7:45, round two at 8:45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning News Talk 1010 Toronto.